0: Blake Shapin officially gone to Mississippi State. It's time for Baylor to move on. So what does that look like for the quarterback situation? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Cam Stewart, and today we're talking about a little bit of change in Bear Country, which we knew was coming, uh, but to recap you over the weekend, of course, uh, Thursday afternoon, Jeff Grimes announces that he is going to be the new OC for Lance Leopold at Kansas, and then on Friday night, Blake Shapin officially makes his commitment to Mississippi State as Jeff Lebby's first potentially starting quarterback, at Mississippi State, I think he will be the starting quarterback from what we see right now. Uh, although some of the state fans who read the comments uh, did not think that was so certain, so I'll defer to them on that one. Um, and Alfonso Allen, another guy who is, this is now I think two or three three, three of the five that I had on the potential to transfer list uh, also hit the transfer portal on Friday. Uh, Richard Reese was another one on that list. He is still around. He is recommitted. And the other one was Armani Winfield, who we're still waiting to hear back from. Um, I'll go quick on Alfonso Allen. I was just a little surprised at at how little playing time he got this year. Um, and it was a lot of special teams. I know he played some special teams last year in 2022, but early in the season, he was playing defensive back. He, he was playing some safety, playing a little star. I, I thought he played pretty well. Um, He's one of those guys who doesn't have Texas ties. He's from Miami Central High School, which is where uh, Tyquan Thornton went as well. Great high school football program and he just really wasn't getting the snaps even though I thought he put out some good tape as a freshman. So, we'll wait to to hear back on on Alfonso Allen and where he ends up. That is a position of need for Baylor this year at safety. And so, I thought he might have gotten a fair shake, but maybe Maybe he just didn't like the direction that this was going in, especially with uh, you know a first-year defensive coordinator this year and now Dave calling the plays. Uh, so I uh, can't can't really blame I can't can't blame much of anybody coming off a three and nine season to enter the transfer portal. That's just that's the way college football is now. Like, and I know there are plenty of people listening to this and watching this that are that are screaming right now because that's not how it should be. Yeah, it shouldn't, but. But that's, that's life. Adapt or die. This, this this is what college football is now. And one of the other weird quirks about it is that your starting quarterback can go into the transfer portal and you're discussing all week whether he might actually come back or leave or does a perfectly timed video on Friday saying that, you know, is it his best option? Should he come back? And then later that day, he says, no, I'm not coming back. I'm going to Mississippi State. And that was the case with Blake Shapham. Um, I am interested to see actually how Shapen does in that offense. Um, and, and I bring this up on the Baylor show because it is the, the Baylor offense somewhat that, that we all loved 10 years ago, that brile style of offense, obviously, um, Levy was an assistant here at Baylor as well as being Art brile's son-in-law and, if you think Art Riles shouldn't be coaching anymore, Jeff Lebby probably shouldn't either. Um, I actually think his hands are just as dirty, if not more dirty, um, than 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 Art. He and he and Kendall um, had a lot to do with this sexual assault scandal, and um, but that's that's neither here nor there. He's the head coach at Mississippi State now. His first head coaching job, and the first big name he goes out and gets is Baylor's starting quarterback. And that offense, that kind of the the veer and shoot is a little bit different as any great offense would be from 10 years ago. Um, Josh Heupel still runs pretty much the same thing, the, the same veer and shoot offense, um, which he's now obviously at Tennessee. Lebby was his assistant at UCF. And Lebby's offense now has a little bit more RPO in it than, than Bryles did about 10 years ago, which had, which had very little, although they did run the ball very uh, effectively. But, um, but it, it definitely goes more RPO, which I think actually will favor Blake a little bit. I think he makes good decisions uh, when he's out there and he's getting chased down. I, I think he's a good decision maker. And in terms of the, the tempo of things, we saw Shapen do pretty well with an up-tempo offense this year. Now, we only saw it in spurts, the up-tempo-ness of it, not necessarily the success of it. But we only saw it in spurts, and it, and it is tough to do Weirdly enough, it's tough to do when you're behind. I know that doesn't that sounds counterintuitive or counterproductive there. It's like if you're going faster when you're behind shouldn't that be better? Um not always because it does lead you into some more mistakes which can really compound and and you want to be somewhat conservative a lot of the time when you are behind. There are times you got to cut it loose. Anyway, I thought Blake was pretty good with the up tempo this year and the way LeBby's offense is run now is it's not I say not tempo for tempo's sake, like you saw from whatever, 2011 to 2015 here at Baylor, which obviously worked out really well. No, no critique on that, uh, but it was just everything very, very quick. Quick to the line, quick to line up, quick to beat your guy off the line of scrimmage, quick throw, quick read, all of that quick, quick, quick. Now with Levy's offense, it's still quicker than most, definitely quicker than what, than what Blake Chapin's used to in the wide zone. Um, but it's not tempo for tempo's sake. They, they are willing to slow it down a little bit to get the right personnel out there and kind of using the mindset of, you know, if I'm going quick, quick, quick 1000% of the time, then the defense isn't going to be able to react. But then again, if I'm still going fairly quick, but putting in new personnel in there, then those are extra things that that the defense has to think about. They, they don't just think about four verticals. They don't just think about the screen pass. You know, they don't just think about a draw play. They're, they have to think about all those things in still a quick amount of time. So that's, I think, the, the big adjustment that Lebby has made. And so that, I think, will play more towards Blake's strengths that we saw this year of playing an up-tempo offense, but keeping it fairly balanced. Um, so that'll be interesting. Interesting to see, but I know this is a Baylor podcast, so I'm looking at what this means for Baylor. And I'm going to get more into Sawyer Robertson here in the next segment. But it, I think it just changes the mindset a little bit of going from a depth guy to one that can really compete for the job, which to me means you're basically in the same boat as last year. Even though a lot of people wanted... Um, someone to come in and be able to replace Shapen right away, in reality, that was going to always be tough to do for Baylor, for a wide zone offense. That was always going to be tough. Um, And now I think instead of a pure depth guy like an RJ Martinez, you are bringing in someone who can compete for the starting job. But I I think Baylor fans need need to recognize, was Blake Shapen an all-time great? No, I'm not saying that. But he does deserve your respect. Absolutely, he does. He's not the only one on this team either, but he does deserve your respect with the guts he showed this year and all the negative pub around him at the end of last season. It could have been so easy for him to say, screw this, I'm out of here. You guys don't respect me. I'm done. But this also probably plays more into my theory that the players don't actually consume as much of this as we all think. And instead he stuck around and he stuck in an offense that isn't flashy for a quarterback. And he had a pretty good year this year, pretty good guys. And he was the only bright spot a lot of the time for Baylor throughout this season. I mean, just looking at that first game back for him this season, which I've pointed to a couple of times on the pod, but he gets hurt in week one, they lose to Texas state He's out the next three games, and they're going to UCF. He's not 100%, and they're 1-3 on the year. He has this gutsy performance, leads them back from 28 points down. So again, he's not 100% healthy. They're down 28 points. They're down 21 by the time Baylor's run like eight offensive plays, if that. And they're 1-3. And he makes sure they do not lie down and take it. And he leads them back to the greatest comeback in Baylor history. So is he one of the all-time greats? No. But he deserves the respect from what he did in his 23 starts. Coming in at the end of a, of a 2021 season where everything was going right. All the pressure was on for him to keep this thing going after Gary Bohannon got hurt. And he absolutely did that. We don't know the morning of the Big 12 championship. We still don't know who the quarterback's going to be. He steps in against one of the nation's best defenses. A team that held Bayward to 14 points earlier in the year. He scores 21 on them in the first half. 17 for 17. And is the MVP of that game. He's not on your Mount Rushmore. But he absolutely deserves your respect. Absolutely he does. And a br- what we are going to look back as a bright spot in what so far has been not a glitzy glam era for Dave Aranda, obviously, especially outside of the one year, three losing seasons outside of the sugar bowl year. So appreciate Blake for, for all that he did here at Baylor um, and certainly wish him the best in the next step. But this is about Baylor and let's look at who his replacement might be after this. Passion drive and patience. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, you are going to find the right part for your car. Yeah, you guessed it. Guaranteed or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and that eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. So Sawyer-Robertson, is he the guy? Is he the one who's going to be under center or more likely in the shotgun for Baylor's first snap against Tarleton State in 2024? Your guess is as good as mine. What ends up being basically a trade with Mississippi State, Sawyer-Robertson comes in last offseason. Blake Shapin heads out there this offseason. He is certainly the incumbent right now. Right now, it's, it's him and it's uh, RJ Martinez. And the only offer that we've heard about that they were sent out to a quarterback in the transfer portal as of the time of recording, Sunday, December 10th, is Matthew Saluka from Holy Cross. Now, while I am intrigued by that prospect, I, I don't know that he comes in and is the starting quarterback. He'll be pretty good, though, no matter where he goes. So is Sawyer Robertson the guy? If I had asked you that question a month ago, you would have said, good Lord, I hope not, because of what you saw from him in the first three games that he played in the 2023 season. But after that West Virginia game, albeit a heartbreaking defeat, you might say, maybe this is the guy. And maybe we'll be all right. And I think that's probably the way to look at it. Right now, is he your guy if the season started tomorrow? Yes, he is. But we got a lot of time. Um but he did show some impressive things in, in that last game. Um, he was, I think 17 for 19 in that game. He, he rushed for 33 in that game. He, he threw for uh, over 200 yards in that, which I know is not, you know, shattering the, sending the world on fire, but for him and his struggles early in the season, that was, that was pretty good through it, through a touchdown in that game as well. And so, The numbers don't jump off the page at you, but what you saw in late August, early September versus what you saw at the end of November was a big difference. And what you saw in both stretches was the ability to throw an accurate deep ball. I think that was a 35-yard touchdown pass he had um, to Keetron Jackson in, in the West Virginia game. But even a couple ones that they dropped, both in that game and early on in the season, he can... He can lay it in the bucket, man. Uh, that is that is very much a quarterback that you would have saw on the recruiting trail for Art Bryles and Jeff Levy and Kendall Bryles 10 years ago. He would absolutely fit into that style of offense. And let's not forget, he started at Mississippi State because he was recruited by the late Mike Leach. So he was air-raid all the way. And And I've even seen some comments this week that you know he can't get the ball down there. He's he's tall, but he's slender. I'm like I can't get the ball down there. Threw for twelve thousand yards in high school as a four star prospect. I know high school is high school, but it, not just everyone just throws for four thousand or excuse me twelve thousand yards. Yeah, that would be like four thousand a year based off the starts. Twelve thousand yards, man. I mean, this kid can sling it. Now, it's been a hiccup to start his college career, sure. He's one year at Mississippi State, and then the guy that recruited him dies unexpectedly. And he hits the transfer portal. He comes to a place that uh, had some people scratching their heads, some people that knew him, because he goes from an air raid to a wide zone offense, which absolutely does not fit his skill set. And in the the three games that he replaces Blake Shapen early in the season, he clearly gets hurt. Gets an ankle injury. We saw it, I believe, in the Utah game. Saw a play that might have done that to him, and he was not quite the same after that. And so this kid just hasn't been able to really get off the ground yet in his college career. In fact, the closest that he came was that game against West Virginia. But there is nothing from me that says he can't be the guy. Again, looking at the offenses he ran in high school and how effective it was, he is built for the the spread offense. And that is exactly what Jake all is bringing to you. The, the kind of the things we talked about with Levy. It's not the same offense for sure, or not, but the tempo and the the spread you out, to make you defend every blade of grass. Um Looking at those hot reads, those first options, that is not something they have had the last couple of years. As as basic as it seems for the rest of college football, Baylor did not have that the last three seasons. And the first season, it worked, but they haven't had that style of offense. They've done the wide zone, run it down your throat as much as we possibly can. And only Baylor and Iowa ran that style of offense this season. And you saw how well it worked out for Baylor at three and nine and weirdly how well it worked out for Iowa at 10 and three. Oh, wait, but they had one of the absolute worst offenses in the entire nation. So Sawyer Robertson, who was watching Cal film the week that Spav was hired, he's got to be doing backflips, man. He's got to be doing backflips, looking at what this style of offense they could be running. And. Again, I, I said this in the first segment, but I do believe Baylor's going into the portal for a quarterback. They have to, got to get a third scholarship guy on the roster, one who's taken a snap because Nate Bennett will come in; he'll be a scholarship guy, but one who's taken a snap in college football. You got to bring another one of those guys in. Um, I I would, I would suspect it being like a grad transfer guy, um, but I don't know if Baylor's in the position to be caught up in saying, oh, well, it's got to be a grad transfer. It's got to be someone who's who's played three or four years, not necessarily as a starter. But I, I don't think they'll do that. I think if they see someone who has a, a bunch of potential and a bunch of talent, um, but hasn't necessarily gotten the snaps, like Sawyer Robertson last year, I don't think they'll turn away from, from that. Um, but that makes it interesting in terms of, again, the guy, the guy they offered, Matthew Sluka, who everyone's like, holy cross, FCS, no way. Well, A, was three and nine. Beggars can't really be choosers. And B, some of the best programs in the country are going after this kid. And C, he's a three-year starter, three mega productive years, conference player of the year, FCS semifinals last season. The kid can play, and he's got plenty of experience. So, That to say, I think they're more likely to bring in someone like that, maybe at the FBS level too, more so than I think they will be able to bring it or will be bringing in someone like a Sawyer Robertson who has a bunch of potential but hasn't played a lot. Uh, The name that keeps popping into my head for you Baylor fans from five or six years ago now, uh, Jalen McClendon from NC state or a new Solomon from Arizona, hopefully better than those guys, <laughs> especially a new, but um, one of those kinds of guys, a, a grad transfer type of quarterback to come in. But right now, if the season starts tomorrow, I think Spavadal can work around Sawyer Robertson and whatever deficiencies he has. i, I mentioned one of the great things I love about Spavadal and his time at Cal last season was how he adjusted with the personnel he was given. There's still problems in outside receiver. The whole offensive line is still a problem. Like not just one or two, the whole line is still an issue. But I think with the skill position guys they have, with the speed they have in the backfield, and with Sawyer Robertson's arms, Bavadol can make something work out of that. That said you still gotta go get some pieces of the portal. Can't stress that one enough. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize picks, okay? It's my favorite way to to do daily fantasy sports. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. And now with basketball season here, there's so much to make your money's worth off of, and you can combine football and basketball, which is something I love to do. So you could do something like uh, LeBron James NBA cup champion uh, plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and point or 10 or and three point plus receptions combo. And you're glued into both those games and you're, doing, you're making money off both those games. And you can also see what Meek Mill is playing. He loves to do it. You can find it under the community tabs and see what he's betting on this week. And my favorite part, PrizePix offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in only the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. So, change is in the air with Baylor football. Not the change that we had expected, but change nonetheless. Offensive coordinator out, new one in the door, shifting some guys around, new running back coach, Kenan Hall, an and associate head coach to go with it, now potentially new quarterback, and a lot of the offense coming back, for better or for worse. So... Are all these changes good enough? If the season started tomorrow, coming off a three and nine year, if the season started tomorrow, I think Baylor would go two and 10. Good thing the season doesn't start tomorrow. There's obviously some sort of optimism here, right, in the offseason. It's been, it's been over two weeks since Baylor lost a football game. So everything's speculative, whether it's good or not. So you can look at it half glass full, half glass empty as always I'm somewhere kind of in the middle. I I don't think Baylor right now or, or what they're looking towards in the short term. I I don't think it's going to be a very good season next year. I think they have a tougher schedule next year than they had this year. I mean, definitely there's no eight home games on the schedule. Maybe that's a good thing for Baylor based off being one and seven at home this year, but If if you told me okay put a gun to my head hey Cam what's their record going to be next year even if they do bring in one guy you know another quarterback who compete for the starting job a couple new offensive linemen uh, an outside receiver if you asked me right now I'd probably say four and eight hopefully (laughs) I mean the best case is they're at six and six seven and five I mean this is not this is not a turn it around into a Sugar Bowl type of team. But is there enough to even get the fans excited? You know, you would expect something rah-rah after you retain your head coach who basically the whole fan base wanted to get canned to, to just give you some hope, man. Like, what what is bringing you back as a season ticket holder other than a love for Baylor or a love for your alma mater or whatever it may be? Other than that stuff, what is bringing you back to McLean Stadium next year? Because there, I mean, while there's been some positives here in the offseason, there's nothing that has proven to me that Dave Aranda is ready to just turn this thing around. Because this is going to be year five. Like, what, what would he even have to do to inspire that in me and many fans? I don't know. Like it, it is. It's an ultimate put up or shut up. And as much as I like the higher, hire, uh, you know, I, I have some confidence in Sawyer Robertson. I, I, I just don't know. Like what inspires you? They're, they weren't going to make a big splash at OC, but maybe that's what it would have been. It just, I'm, I'm trying not to get caught up in too much of the negative or too much of the positive. And right now, I think it's a little bit too much of the positive. And I think, you know, I talked about it with the transfer portal stuff last week. Baylor's got to hit the portal hard to compete for a bowl game next year. It's all well and good that these guys are coming back and they want to play for this coach. At least that's what they're showing. But we also have to remember Baylor's three and nine. And could have afforded for some people to, to hit the portal. And in fact, I would say as the, this coaching staff looks towards what they need to get from the portal and who they're looking at, I have to believe that in this transfer portal era, they were thinking with a few games left of the season, okay, probably this guy's going to go, this guy's going to go, um, here's how many we're going to have at this position, You know, here's how many scholarships we'll be able to have at this position. And right now, they've only had four guys hit the portal, which is like, I don't know, a quarter of what's hit at Kansas State who had a much better season than you. So I'm wondering if it becomes a scholarship issue at some point here. The NIL is one issue, but whether they'll have enough scholarships or roster spots to bring the guys in that they want to, to make it, make a jump in the next year. And maybe I'm looking at that too negatively, that there's that there's too many guys coming back. But the these were the guys that brought you to three and nine. I know a lot of them were young, but you got to get some veterans in there. Like there's a reason why there were so many young guys. It's because Dave couldn't recruit the the last two classes. And here we are. Not like it's this freshman class, anything to write home about this year. I hope I'm wrong, but that's the reason why you had so many freshmen out there this year is because you couldn't recruit the other classes. So let me know what you think. Am I being too negative about this? Do you believe in Dave Aranda going into next year? Please tell me what you think. And what's bringing you back to McLean? You season ticket holders, what's what's bringing you back to McLean and, and renewing those season tickets in the Dave Aranda regime? Let me down, Let me know down in the comments below. Each comment helps. I really appreciate you guys who do it just for the algorithm as well. I'll take that. Uh, but be sure to like and subscribe, share. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Locked On Baylor. And we will be back again with some more transfer portal targets uh, looking at this week as we have an empty week of Baylor athletics. So, got to think of something. But uh, be sure to join us tomorrow. We'll have some more targets in there and give you all the breaking news as soon as we can here on Locked On Baylor.